Hold on to your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Woe is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. Joey Clark. Well, welcome to it, folks. I don't know what I expected. Uh, you're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Baron Coleman has joined me this evening. Good evening, sir. I've mentioned you a couple times this week. But in a good way. I've, oh. I've reached out in agreement about the globalist corporatist horrors. Yes, yes. I brought up that you hardly ever mentioned the big daddy pimp. Who? The state. Uh, the state is a an agent of the globalist corporate whore. Well, then who's the pimp and who's the whore? Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, well, the, the there's state, a, the, the state is the whores. Uh, is made up of whores. Well, here's my point. It's not the elected officials I'm talking about. I'm seriously deep state stuff. And there's a great line. And when House of Cards was still good, one of the early seasons, or it's Raymond Tusk on the phone with. Underwood, who's the vice president at that point, but acting essentially as president. And uh, there's just one line. He's on the phone with Raymond Tusk. He goes, Raymond, you might be the one with all the money in the world, but I have all the guns. (laughs) (laughs) So there's something to uh, that sort of power. Well, to me, the whores are the ones carrying out the yeah. acts on behalf of the globalist corporatists. Yeah. So I, I I do draw a distinction between globalist corporatists and globalist corporatists whore. Oh, sure. And in fact, we had a we had a T-shirt request. We had a, one of our liberal <laughs> listeners. Yeah. Wanted a T-shirt that says "liberal globalist corporatist whore," <laughs> branded with news and news talk. So we're gonna we're gonna do that. We're That's gonna put genius. those T-shirts together. That's well, I feel I was telling you off air. I feel a little vindicated tonight. It's on a weird topic. Yeah. But it, it's a weird topic. So I want to make sure I tell people. I'm gonna toot my own horn. I was right. I was right. If you don't toot your own horn, no one's going to toot it. Exactly. That exactly. goes for well, lots of areas. Yeah, show. unfortunately. <laughs> I've learned that in 30 years of bachelorhood. Uh, but, do you remember the whole uh, massage parlor down in, what is it, Jupiter, Florida? Yeah. They caught yes. Robert Kraft. And other billionaires. Yeah. And initially, they said, this is a massive human trafficking investigation, sting operation, I mean, we've caught you know hundreds of people doing this. We're not only using the local sheriff's department and police department and the DEA and might as well throw in the ATF and Homeland Security. They were using federal agencies, filming these guys yes. in the massage parlor rooms, all this stuff, because it's human trafficking. That's right. Well, today, this is from the local uh, Connecticut source where the court, I guess, the case is being held. Prosecutors in the Robert Kraft prostitution case admitted in court Friday that there was not enough evidence to prove there was human trafficking. No, no human trafficking. No human trafficking. But that was the basis uh, for the probable cause warrant. Yes. Human trafficking. So, and this happens, this is my point I made before when this first came out. It happens time and time again. And it's still illegal, but it's not the same thing. Usually in these cases, what you have is run-of-the-mill prostitution. Mm-hmm. Not right. I don't think it's more. It's a misdemeanor. Right, but it's a misdemeanor. Right. 
or as Greg says, a misdemeanor. It is, it's not right, but it's not the same thing as human trafficking. And this is, and honestly, this is the problem. If you go listen to, say, working women, I'm using the euphemism there, street walking cheetahs, who want to do working women, like women at Walmart? Sex workers who want it to be legal. Oh. They say that one thing that frustrates them, even if you don't legalize it, one thing that frustrates them to no end, and you're talking about, you know, 30 something, 35 year old women, I've heard this from activists is that when they pull up these statistics about sex slavery and human trafficking, they add me to it. Not me, Joey, but me, somebody who's... Legitimate sex worker. Yeah. And that is not, number one, I'm not a victim here. I enjoy what I do, and I probably make a better living than a lot of other people. Number two, though, and more nefariously and insidious, is that it makes it more difficult to deal with actual sex trafficking and human trafficking, actual slavery. If you are constantly going after, say, run-of-the-mill prostitution, calling it sex trafficking, and you're not going for the actual difficult case. I got a question about these billionaires, Robert Kraft in particular. His wife died tragically a few years ago, and that's terrible, yeah. obviously. <clears throat> um, but let's say Robert Kraft had gone and landed a 39-year-old trophy wife with sure. some bolt-ons and, and, you know, some bleach blonde hair, you know, maybe uh, some some face work and and uh, walked around. Let's yeah. say he landed a girl like that. Robert Kraft is, what, 75, almost 80? Yeah. Okay. So he's 75, almost 80. He goes and lands him a 39-year-old beauty. Right. Okay. What do you think she's there for? The, I mean, he's a multi-billionaire. Owns the Patriots, owns... Uh, well, to know. quote Al Green, love and happiness. Right. She's a prostitute. <laughs> she's a prostitute. She's how, there for... How a, dare you call... She's there for a nice car. How dare you call the new wife a whore? And I, I knew, she wants a new car. She wants the, <laughs> the, the, the mansion in the Hamptons. Uh, obviously, you know, Jupiter, Florida is in Palm Beach County. My family and I used to live in Palm Beach County. Mm. Very affluent area, particularly on the coast. You know, she wants the Palm Beach County mansion. She wants the Hamptons mansion. You know, the 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 owner suite in Foxborough, the furs, the gold, the diamonds, the cars, the vacations. Never have to work again. And when he croaks, guess what? She'll marry a football player. No, she's worth hundreds of millions of dollars. She'll marry anyone else. Right? She gets paid. <laughs> Maybe worth billions, depending on what. And I bet you Robert wouldn't even mind it being a bit open of a marriage. To be honest, I don't think he would care. No. So so. Why is one form of prostitution celebrated and sanctified and dignified this in the, the church? Question. This is the question. And the other form of prostitution is human trafficking. Right. You know what I mean? Well, I had to learn the, the hard way, and I didn't go through with it, but I've told the story before. And I'm not calling every younger wife a... But, but, but if you're marrying a billionaire, and you're 39, and he's 80? You know, sometimes I can be a little bit narcissistic. Uh, I'll just tell you, gentlemen, when you go to a big city and you're in the hotel lobby bar and you're hanging out, having fun with your friends, and a beautiful, attractive woman initiates a conversation with you, unless you're, say, Robert Kraft, you didn't become more charming and better looking. No. It's a street, it's a lady of the evening. That's correct. Right. As that. You ever been hit on by a prostitute? Yes. This happened, I told the story. It happened at FeeCon last year. Yeah. I, oh, you've told me that story. Yeah. I, we Not were, on air, though. No, I told it on air. Oh. We were um, at, drinking late. I, two friends I met. A guy I've had on the show, Matt Tabor, and uh, his lovely, all too good for him. He hates it when I say that. Uh, Mara. It, she, <laughs> they were at, uh, hanging out with him, hit it off with them. 
And we're drinking good a bit into the evening. It's probably about 12.30, 1 o'clock in the morning. And they're like, we're going to go to bed. Now I'm sitting at that point alone on the bar balcony, finishing my drink. And this gorgeous woman walks up to me and goes, you want to have some fun? And I look up and go, I'm kind of wise to what's going on, but I look up and go, I love fun. <laughs> I, Big I, fan of fun. I, I love fun. And then she, she made it explicit. She goes, well, you do know I'm a lady of the night. She called herself a lady of the night. I know. I hadn't heard that term. I was like, yeah. Did she come out of Casablanca? And my response after she says, you do know I'm a lady of the night, I looked at her and went, you do know I'm a very, very poor man. <laughs> you know I'm a man of very moderate means. <laughs> and then it ended there. So, there are people on welfare that uh, make well, more money. I realized at that moment, go to bed, you dope. <laughs> Knock it in. I, I, well. I don't think I've ever been hit on by a prostitute. Um it's not right. It's a misdemeanor, though. And it's a reason it's a misdemeanor. Yeah, exactly. And, well, somebody guy called earlier said, Is prostitution legal in Alabama? Did you do that, Clyde Chambliss? Is prostitution legal in Alabama? Yeah, Tom yeah. called up and said yeah. that. You, if you're a 39-year-old hottie and you marry an 80-year-old billionaire, it's legal. Right. <laughs> totally legal. Working for some globalist corporatist. Yes, yeah, yes, yes. But, no. His point was, well, have you ever been to the casino? Go look at the casino. It looks legal to me. And like, oh, Pretty come ridiculous. on, man. But the point is, is I don't, you know what? there's all I, sorts of illegal activity. Well, let me tell you this. Engaging. I don't think he's ever been there either. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, a, that's, a, that's a, something that anti-gambling people do. They act like there's all this vice oh, and crime right, at right. the casinos and scare people. And it's just not true. So I want to move on to a silly story. But before we do that, and we've got a few silly stories uh, for this evening. You've come to the right guy. Yeah, I've been trying to think of like a setting a waypoint, setting like an overall goal and trajectory for the show. Because you can pick up news stories. You can go with the political narrative. I love what's happening now, how things are moving so sideways on the Democrats right now. It's And watching, it's not so much, you know me, I'm not like a dogged Trump fan. I didn't initially jump on the Trump train. I find him hilarious. I've always said that. He's always been hilarious. It's more watching John Brennan and James Clapper squirm. Mm -hmm. And they're, they're saying things like, well, we, we, we're looking into Russian activity. Uh, so it's not spying. We were, you know, looking into Russian activity. No, that's not what you were only doing. You were looking into Russian activity and accusing the President of the United States for two years on media airwaves, major media platforms, that he was essentially a Russian asset. They used the word treason. Yeah. They used the word treason. And not only that, they weren't just monitoring. They were setting people up within the Trump campaign with known FBI and CIA assets. Mm -hmm. We've not heard the last of right. Mr. Oleg Deripaska. Well, and the people who talked to Mr. Papadopoulos. Exactly. Miss yeah. Food? That guy is an and and Stephen Halper. Right. Th these guys were were known assets and were paid millions of dollars by the CIA and FBI to run operations. Yep. And then they plant the idea in Papadopoulos's head. Oh, we've got the Clinton emails. We got the dirt. Russia has the Clinton emails. I can hook you up and get them for you. Well, and Papadopoulos claims I, after hearing and having these weird meetings, he tried to contact the FBI and said, "There's some weird stuff yeah. going on." 
Well, then not only that, he tried to give the $10,000 back to the guy, and the guy's like, no, 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 I don't want your money. He's like, it's not my money, it's your well, money. And Clapper earlier today was like, well, why didn't you, and it was actually a good question from a CNN journalist, why didn't you inform the Trump campaign yeah. that they were being stalked or trying to be recruited by the Russians? It's like, well, after the conventions, we, uh, 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 we, we gave them intelligence reports and briefings on the Russians trying to sway the election. It's like, well, wait. Did you say in particular they're trying to recruit members of your campaign, Mr. Trump? Yeah. Well, no. I, don't, I don't remember. They sat there and <laughs> crossed their fingers and prayed to God Trump campaign would bite. And then if there's something, and this is something you've been pushing for a while, if there's something in the Mueller report given by Mueller himself that actually says we need to look at the roots of this... They're toast. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that day. If, if, if it may not Mueller, come. But. If the Mueller report says what I think it says. Right. It's going to be fun. Then I've been right all along. Yeah. And Mueller was there to exonerate Trump and point the finger back at the other people. You've been right about uh, globalist, corporatist whores, and I've been right about run-of-the-mill whores. That's right. Yeah. Look at us. We know our whores. But I'm thinking beyond just silly stories or the big political narratives or talking policies and issues. I was trying to set like an overall goal for myself in the show. And the idea came to me. I remembered a podcast I listened to with Dusty Rhodes' son, Cody Rhodes. For a while, he was in the WWE. And he had many different characters, iterations. And he decided, you know, I got I to gotta get out of here. I got to go out on my own, strike out on my own, and figure something out. And what he did is he created, when he left the WWE, these are all the people I want to have matches with around the independent scene and around the world. Some of them are more pie in the sky. Maybe that'll never happen. Some of them, it's like I could have, make it happen tomorrow. And he created a list and posted it publicly. This is the list. I'm calling you guys out. So I thought, why not make a list? of interesting people I would like to talk to. And it can be as ridiculous as I would love to talk to Dwayne Johnson The Rock. Probably not going to happen. Right. But he'd be a good addition to the list. Sure. Or something as simple as local politicians here or interesting professors at AM or ASU all over the place. Create, compile a list. I haven't made it yet. Compile a list of interesting people around Montgomery and around the country, around the world, wherever they're available. Love to talk to Jordan Peterson, for instance. Probably could get him on the show. All sorts of different commentators. Make the list, call my shot, reach out to those folks, and make it an ongoing series. And it can be from all different perspectives, <laughs> topics, whatever, just interesting people. I think if you gave your list to the people and said, yeah. you're on this list of 40 people. That's what I'm going for. And I'd like to fulfill this list the best I can. Can you help me meet, meet my goal by agreeing to come on for an hour? Or even 15 or 20, 30 minutes. Um, I, I, I could, man, that's ambitious. That's ambitious. I, I like this idea, too, because I'm open to suggestion. Like, for instance. Like Baron a, Coleman. He might come on. Right. There's a new rabbi, too, at, like, Temple Beth. Or, like, it could Get be pastors. On. could be yeah. rabbi. I mean, it could be all sorts of different types of people. So right. if you know an interesting person in Montgomery, hit me up. Like, say, this person would be cool to talk to. Like, Tom Riello said, you need to talk to Professor Matt Jordan. I would Matt Jordan's fantastic. Yeah, I've been following some of it uh, just in a quick message, yeah. and it didn't work out when I was doing the Saturday show. Yeah. So need to recontact him. But that's the example. It's what I'm going towards with the show. Yeah, Matt Jordan's very fascinating. Uh, got a great story. I, I tell you, I, I, I encourage that. I could throw a few names at you. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, well, and I've had Maori on. You know, that guy who's now essentially co-hosting with you. Yeah, I mean, the cat's out of the bag. He's... he's um, He's intimidating at first, I have to say. Why? He's tall, number one. Well, he is tall. He's very tall. Yeah. But he's also got quite the intellect. 
Well, it, and useless trivia, too, along with useful stuff as well. Yeah, I told him today on the air, I said, if you drop a movie reference, I'm probably not going to catch it. Right, I heard Because that. I don't watch movies. Right. I've never really been a movie buff. I've seen a few movies, uh, but I'm not one of those people that watches them to memorize dialogue or to understand. You know, I'm like, oh, guy killed, guy killed somebody and had to go to jail. Okay, sucks. Uh, now, like my favorite movie, Tombstone of all time, I've seen it. A lot. Right. And I can quote it at length. Uh, and watching it with me is kind of annoying because I just you mumble just... under my breath the whole dialogue, the whole movie. <laughs> You're really mouthing the, yeah, the actual I mean, script. I love it. In fact, <clears throat> I probably shouldn't say this on air. I once had to testify in front of... Actually, I've had to testify several times in court. But one time I had to testify in court and I was a little nervous about doing so. Mm -hmm. And you know what put me at ease? I made it my goal to work as many tombstone quotes in there as possible without anyone figuring it out. And if you go back and read the transcript, there are like nine different tombstone references in my testimony. That's awesome. And at one like when, <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say what they are because people figure it out. That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, if you go back and read the transcript, there's a lot of tombstone references. Wow. It's just a way to you know, I always told So but you were called as a witness. As a witness, yeah. Yeah. I, and I always told my witnesses that I was preparing for trial. I, and they were like, oh, I'm so nervous, I don't want to testify. I would give them bullet points or like anchors. Right. Anchor here and don't stray too far from the anchor. You know, what, what, what makes you comfortable? What do you enjoy? What makes you smile? Let's think about it. And try to give them something to visualize and anchor from. I just picked Doc Holliday in Tombstone and worked as many Holiday quotes in there as I could. And a couple of times people looked at me like, what? <laughs> Does it apply? <laughs> That's a tough thing because I've never had to testify. Yeah. But my dad used to essentially be an expert witness for hire. Like, say a multi-million dollar construction project, a hospital has gone wrong. The schedule's gone terribly wrong. Somebody's suing a contractor or so, whatever is the reason. And so he'd be hired as an expert witness to assess the situation, give his opinion. And he's you can make a lot of money doing that, obviously, but he hated it. Yeah. And, I mean, he gave me, this is why lawyers get a bad rap, Joey, because the lawyer essentially against him would be sitting there just trying to undermine him. And knowing my dad, he's, you know, he's not a audacious man. He's not going you know, to be around bragging, but he's proud of what he does well. Right. And so to have some, you know, punk, especially usually a younger lawyer trying to undermine, are you really an expert, Mr. Clark? What about yeah. this, Mr. Clark? It is, he usually, hated it. Usually the 702 questions are taken care of ahead of the trial. I mean, like whether or not they're actually an expert and all that. Right. And you could take them up and, and ask a few things. But but most of the time, you know before they sit down they're an expert or not. Um, but He said the stakes were too high. That's where he, yeah. he, he just didn't like it. Yeah. It, you know, experts are paid to give an opinion. They're whores. They're paid to give an opinion. <laughs> you pay them and they perform a trick. Indeed. I mean, they do. They sit yeah. on the stand and the, and, and, and the good ones won't get off of their trick. Right. Oh, no. you got to stay in they, your lane. They make sure the job is finished. <clears throat> so here's a story from a uh, Florida high school, Miami-Dade. Mm -hmm. Is this a Florida man story? It's a Florida man story. <laughs> it is probably my favorite Florida man story in the longest time. Because, I mean, wait, where did that cuddle thing happen? That was in... Um that wasn't Florida, though. No, it wasn't Florida. It was up in the Northeast somewhere. That wasn't a Florida men thing. Okay. Oh, I'll find it. But there was one Florida man story, like when people were doing the birthday thing, like put in your birthday and look for your Florida man story. And one, I think it was mine, was a boyfriend was arrested on domestic abuse charges for smacking his girlfriend with a burrito. <laughs> I was like, that's a good Florida man story. Not as good as this one.
It's just simple. There's not much to it. But a teen has been accused and arrested for allegedly trying a wrestling move on the school principal at South Ridge High. What was the name of the move? The RKO. Out of nowhere! What's the RKO? It is the Randy Orton's like singular finishing move. And he really will come out of nowhere the way they do the camera shots. Remember DDP, the guy who's teaching me yoga? He would do the diamond cutter. Yeah. Where he'd turn into it. I know the diamond cutter well, sir. It's a net breaker, but he's really holding on, and he more grabs you, falls. Right. And as he puts it, it might be a work, it might be fake, but if I want you to go to the ground and I get you locked in, you're you're going to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. Gravity's not fake. Randy Orton, like, jumps more. It's like he jumps and, like, grabs him. So he's, like, flying when he falls down and pulls him a little bit. So it's essentially like a fancy diamond cutter. So I'm imagining this kid is like in trouble somehow. Out of nowhere. Gianni Sosa, 18 years old. He's out of, trying to go out of nowhere to the school principal. RKO! That's <laughs> so fantastic. Florida Man stories are fantastic. That was Lehigh University, the cuddle party. Oh, okay. I actually have two friends who graduated from Lehigh. And I've not yet contacted the male and asked him if he cuddled. You know, we have been talking for 25 minutes. Yeah, yeah. And you have yet to use your tranny voice on me. I, I appreciate that. <clears throat> Joey, it's a little late for that. Yeah. It's 6.30. And we're all alone in well, a Emily Lit studio. When I'm in my environment, yeah. and I'm behind the board, my show, 11.30, you come waltzing in, and I hit you with the tranny voice, <clears throat> I, have, I have certain safety barriers. I know I'm leaving at noon. I know you're working till 7 p.m. That's true. No matter how excited you get at my trainee voice, you can't follow me out of the studio. Dan can't run a board by himself. So I have some particular measure of safety. And there are other people in the building. There's the downstairs crew, Fresh and Jay and Emily and Kristen and Rick are down there. we got the whole sales staff up here. Right. <clears throat> They're witnesses. I can't hit you with the trainee voice at 630. Not when we're the only two people in the building. I can't. Well, fine. I can't hit you with the trainee voice. Be that way. I, I am that way. I am that way. Uh, I'm a little disappointed, man. Sorry, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to disappoint you. See, I thought that'd be anticlimactic, but man, <laughs> talk about a climax. <laughs> you always climax when I make this voice, big boy. <laughs> it's never anticlimactic. Check these out. I just got them bolted on last week. <laughs> oh, Lord. Uh, well, we'll be back, folks. We gotta hit this break. We'll be back right after this. Joey Clark.
Charlie Clark. I'm going to hit you with a fun fact. Fun fact? Yeah. First concert I ever went to. Oh, sorry. I didn't mean to do that in front of you. 1987. Indiana State Fairgrounds. Yeah. Uh-huh. Tiffany, whose biggest hit was a remake of this song. <laughs> Opening act was... So good. On the way home, my mom said, you know, that opening act was actually better than Tiffany. <laughs> I think they'll be famous one day. <clears throat> New Kids on the Block. Oh, wow. Wow. Bunch of teenage boys flailing around on the stage. The girls going crazy. No one knew who they yeah. were. That's They unreal. were there to see Tiffany. Yeah, I mean, but you bring out those teenage heartthrobs. The girls would go nuts. Two or three years later, they were bigger than Jesus. Well, and I that's than such a and that's a phenomenon that goes way, way back with the Beatles, with Elvis. Like you just look at the old Elvis footage, it is a certain sort of response from a certain sort of demographic, teenage girls, where it is probably I think the all these stars have talked about this, where it is deafening, it's scary, like the high pitched. Like squeal on mass, like you know, thousands of teenage girls trying to rip your clothes off and you know tear the car apart. And my God, there are worse lives, Joey. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, David Cassidy and Donny Osmond had it so tough. Yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, let, we'll feel bad for them later. <laughs> I know a lot of people in their twenties who didn't have hundreds of thousands of women screaming for them. Yeah, that's true. It reminds me of the line in. Um, uh, well, it's, it's it's kind of a tragic line. Right, the movie Hoosiers. Yeah. Um, uh, Gene uh, Hackman was Man, the coach. It's been forever since I watched. Yeah. Well, there's this line where the the lady the lady teacher's kind of mad at the coach, and she's sort of the antagonist to the coach during the whole movie, and she's kind of mad at me. He said, "What's your problem? What's your problem? You know, I'm trying to give these kids hope. What's your problem?" She said, "My problem is I go to the diner and I see these guys." talking about something that happened 20 or 30 years ago where for 15 minutes they were treated like a god. And it's just sad watching them reliving that moment over and over. And he stopped her. He said, lady, most people would give anything to be treated like a god for just 15 minutes. Mm. The deep, dark moment in that movie. It's true, though. It is true. It, well, it is I, true. Honestly, when I hear people complain about politics... And they don't have a specific gripe. It's not like this policy hurt me or whatever. I, they kind of strike me as like petty kings and queens. Yeah, a little bit. Like I, you know, because that's the promise: the people rule. Yeah, but there's a lot of you, so yeah. it's not quite the same thing. But I think yeah, people like to be. It's almost it's just shy of worship, mm-hmm. and they're there. That is dark. It is dark. I think your your greatest needs right after food, shelter, and clothing. And water, air, you know, yeah, it, sure. after the basics. Your greatest need is to be needed and a sense of belonging. Right. And when you're a star, you're needed. And you have a sense of belonging. You belong anywhere. You're accepted wherever you go. Uh, so they, they're taken care of. Now, sometimes they OD on that. And like any great thing, you know, you, you, you need food. You OD right. on it. You get fat. And you have a heart attack. And get diabetes and die. You know, you need uh, water. But if you drink too much, you know, it can, it can harm you and kill you. And the same thing with the want to need and, and be accepted. You, you can OD on that need. Oh, right. Well, and it can be. It's a, it's, I see this on social media. How many friends do I have? Yeah. Well, and I mean, not to be too basic, but Limelight by Rush. Neil Peart nailed it with that song. Yeah. 
they how did it's not, you're so related to people but it's so detached you're like this icon on a pedestal a gilded cage and it's it's very tough to connect so if you don't realize that and you think oh yeah i'm actually loved by all these people watch out yeah and it, and it, and it's toxic in a lot of ways just yeah. like just like excess in food and everything else but but i think that's why you get the situation we we're talking about is that there's this need of wanting and belonging mm-hmm. and and when you don't have it it's it's like not eating. Well, and it's a two way street too. Like you can adore somebody. It's I think we're we're kind of seeing. By the way, did you see that Finding Neverland was pull or leaving Neverland? What, what is that? The Michael Jackson documentary oh, HBO yeah. put up. Yeah, yeah. They pulled it. Why? It was supposed to run till September because the documentary filmmaker admitted in several interviews. I think the last time it runs is tonight. He admitted in several interviews the stories that he depicted in the movie and the documentary don't really hold up. The timelines don't hold up. So essentially, I have said from the beginning, there's yeah. no way that man did that. I agree. Like I just did. I continue to play Michael Jackson, especially young Michael stuff. Yeah. It's fantastic. But I think people hold like, oh, he's a star. He's talented. She's so beautiful. She's a movie right, star. Right. And it's like they're people. Yeah. And they do things. I don't think Michael did anything, but it's uh, it disappoints a lot. Like you know how much it actually it didn't hurt that much, but to hear that like my music idol Prince died alone from an opioid overdose in an elevator, Ugh. crapped himself. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, that's just ugh, terrible. Yeah. And you go back to the music and just forget that. What a terrible way to go. So don't hold these people on high too much, but. Let's go to the phones. I've been having Josh hold on way too. You're cooking something in that iron cast skillet, right? Uh, you know, brother, <laughs> a big old fat mashed ribeye with a garlic butter mushroom sauce with a dash of fresh rosemary mixed in with it. Oh. So, to quote the words of the great Baron Coleman, I am about to get fat and nasty and OD on some good food. <laughs> well, and honestly, when you sent me that uh, message about duck fat fries, or you message about duck fat fries, I, I wanted to be like, Josh, Josh, oh, send me some of those. Josh, they call Jesus a glutton, too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> well, I'm trying my best to be it, man. You got to be able to sample your own work to be able to make other people happy. What's but, on your yeah, mind tonight? Yeah. Well, actually, man, I, I, I'm usually in the kitchen at this point, so I don't get to catch your show unless it's on podcast, but I had today off, so I was going to give you a call and say hello, man, I'm still listening in, uh, enjoying the show, you always uh, bring good information and uh, bring a little you know, air towards the end of the evening. Well, I appreciate that, man, I appreciate you listening, I'm glad the opportunities work it out for you, some of these uh, unreal dishes you're posting on the Book of Faces, it looks awesome. Oh, absolutely, man, like I said, I'm planning on... Um, before summer kicks in, I'm planning on coming up there. So I have to have you and Seth and guys come out. We'll go to my farm and we'll cook some good eats. Awesome. Uh, have a good time. Sounds like a plan. Count me in. All right, guys. Well, y'all have a good evening. You too, Josh. Now, there's a name. I wonder if you know this name, Baron Coleman. You know of Michael Malice? Give me context, because that name sounds remarkably familiar. He wrote a book, I believe, called Dear Reader, the Unauthorized uh, Autobiography of Kim Jong-il. Uh, no, I don't know. He grew up in Soviet Russia, then he immigrated here. He's, mm-hmm. I think, very big in Ayn Rand. But, and he, don't know him. He actually, um, I think, replaced uh, your client on Compound. Oh, really? And I have to say, Michael Malice, without fail... Always has me laughing and fits a laugh. He's like the ultimate right wing troll. 
I represent one of those. <laughs> but this <laughs> Malice is the ultimate right wing. And he just he knocked one out of the park when Julian Assange was arrested. Yeah. And the indictments and the specifics of the indictments came down. He put out the best troll. And a lot of people didn't get it because it's so good and so sarcastic. I want to quote the tweet. I rarely quote tweets, but this is so juicy and so good. Folks, you need to follow Michael Malice. I, that's a guy I need to put on the list. Yes. Love to talk to Malice. I can get my client on here with you. Absolutely. I'd love to talk to him, too. Here's Malice's tweet. Let's be clear. Julian Assange is not a journalist. He uncovered and released information that the political establishment and government wanted to stay hidden. Does that sound like the work of a journalist? <laughs> not anymore. Well, and then somebody commented right below his post, yes, it does, Michael. And that's funny. His response was, great work. Just great work figuring that out. That's good. I like that. And he, he's just, he has a right wing argument for the minimum wage. I heard it the other day from Mr. Malice. Yeah. Right wing argument in favor of the minimum wage? Yeah. All right, he says ahead. he doesn't like people. So bring on the $15 minimum wage. I get, I'd much oh. rather prefer a kiosk or an efficient machine than some of these people at Mickey D's. Yeah, I had this conversation today <laughs> about interfacing with point-of-sale retail workers in Montgomery. And when you find an average one, it's like the light shines down from heaven and, oh, <laughs> just because like they can do simple math. And they like flash you a half a smile when you come up. Right, right. And they're like, is there anything else I can get for you? Because <laughs> otherwise you get, huh, you want a sandwich? Okay. Okay. <laughs> anything else? Okay. I almost do feel for those folks, though. Like, it is a soul-sucking job. I hope it's not a dead end. That it's just, like, something you got to do for the time being to make ends meet. But, whew. I can see why some people would be like, all right. No, I'm sure. No, I get it. But I get. I totally get it. But but the way I looked at it, like, I, I mean, I, I did point-of-sale retail for, right. for my high school years and stuff. It, it was never, like, I plan on doing point-of-sale retail for the next 40 years. Right. It was... I might as well learn a few things, interact with the public, sharpen some skills, uh, learn some work ethic, <clears throat> learn how to run a register, learn how to, you know, say you're sorry. I mean, there, there are a lot of decent things that can be learned in that. And if you do that for a few years, and then you do maybe you're a shift manager, and then maybe you do that a couple of years, and maybe you're, you know, an assistant manager of the store. And, I mean, you move your way up. Right. You're not going to sit there and, yeah, you want a sandwich? You know, you're not going to do that the rest of your life. Right. Unless you act like that, and then you are. Well, and no one's going to hire you to do anything better. And before we get to these phone calls, though, before we, we have three people on the line. Wow. I just, real quick, I'm supposed to be a serious person. I'm not. I, it's Friday, and we're doing this for funsies and frivolity, but I honestly am not as interested in Julian Assange as I am what's going to happen to his cat. Like, seriously, these photos are glorious. Yes. He's the got cat the, with the, the necktie on. He's, and got the, a, he's got a great cat. Yeah. It's like, I don't care what happened to Assange. Well, I do, because I think it's you know bordering on, we'll see in court, but it's bordering on criminalizing what a lot of journalists do anyhow. Don't you think this was his way to get to the United States and be safe? Yes, there's that possibility. I think that's 100% what happened. They indicted him for the Ch Manning leaks. Yes, which, which... Is a nearly impossible charge to prove. Exactly. They did not indict him for conspiring with Russia, which could have been done. And it could be like, hey, Julian, 
tell us your source. Because listen, for the DNC hack, right? You to indict him on the Russian conspiracy charge did not require they be able to prove it. They could have indicted anybody based on that. I mean, that was a Washington D.C. grand jury. Washington D.C. is ninety-two percent anti-Trump. If you brought him in there and say, "This is the guy who got Hillary Clinton to lose the election," this is the guy who we're going to tell you hacked into this and hacked into that. He conspired with Russia. They're going to they're going to return an indictment, and that's the headline you need. And then his life is over, right. and then he's poison. Right now, he's not. I'm telling you, a lot of this Mueller stuff, it's not just what happened, it's what didn't happen. Right. It's amazing how sideways it's moving on the Democrats. Not sideways. It is avalanching on their faces. The second (laughs) half of 2019 should be, I mean, Donald Trump may come out with 90% approval ratings. He might win 49 states. Go all Reagan on the country. He might win 49 states. Well, especially if the Democrats put up somebody like, what was it, Mondale? Like, oh my goodness. Well, that's different because back then even California was a solid red state because they didn't have illegals voted. Right. Well, and I don't want to quite handicap the 2020 election. Not yet. Um, And we have a lot of, uh, well, it would be great if Julian Assange said, well, if you want to know my sources, find the cat. It's like, not, like the cat in Men in Black. That's what I was going to say. It around it's on Orion's belt. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that would be a one. great twist. Oh, look at this. Four people online. News Talk, who's this? You're on there. Hey, it's Bo Holt. Hey, O'Doyle rules. Bo rules. Anyway, hey, what's on you your mind? Me? Yeah. Hey, uh, God, y'all, some topics. There's about a million things I wanted to say, and I can't even remember one of them now because y'all been jumping and I'm drinking wine. So That's <laughs> what we do. But, uh, oh, no, it's great. Um, we entertain uh, the no, gently I'm, stewed, yes. Goodness. The thing that's was, time of day. Uh, yeah. what, what Barron was saying a second ago about uh, when you get med- mediocre treatment in Montgomery, how the, the theme of, like, you know, heavenly sunshine rains down upon you. Yeah. Yeah, that happened to me. I'm not going to say where, but I I had had enough, and I, I, I raised holy hell in an office yesterday, and uh, I was in the right, and the rest of the staff took me that i just got uh but no it's um baron you know it's really cool i always love joey's show but it's really cool hearing you in the evening as opposed to just in the morning it's uh it's it, it, it's kind of a, a uh, rare treat you know right, right. Well, why is that you have less clothes on in the evening or? <laughs> no, yeah, use, use that voice again I'm still Hi, in my Joey. shirt and tie and everything, and uh, I'm just sitting on my on my porch. But, is it uh, because of this voice, Bo? Is that why you like it? <laughs> no, it's just cool hearing uh, both of you on the air at the same time in, in the afternoon. It's like, you know, you get your normal, you know, it's kind of like when you go to school when you were little and you got used to your certain teachers at certain times of the day, and then all of a sudden there was some anomaly, and you had one of your favorite teachers in the afternoon as well, and you were just like, whoa, this is different. But well, you, and you telling <laughs> us this, though, Bo, means we got to keep it an anomaly. It can't become too frequent. Yeah, we can't do this every day. <laughs> leave them wanting exactly. more. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But no, this is, it, it's great radio, great radio. Um, and I know you got to move on to other callers, so I won't keep you, but just enjoying it as usual. Well, I appreciate it. Thanks, All right, Bo. Y'all take care. Good night. O'Doyle rules. O'Doyle rules. What a great guy. Uh, let's go back to the phones. News Talk, you're on there. Who's this? Hey, Joey, has anybody told you you have done a wonderful job today? You tell me that all the time, but not today, Marianne. Yeah, but you are a star after hearing the earlier conversations, okay? Baron, I'm the Marianne from Gilligan's Island and Capitol Heights in Montgomery. Well, Marianne, I was a big fan of your work as a younger man. 
Yeah, that's because I'm old enough to be your mama. Anyway. Well, well. And I've heard your mother call in on your show. And, Bolt, I'm going to miss you, darling. I know you're moving away from us. If I call your show, Baron, I have to step off the property. Let's hush about that. In the meantime, Joey, as you were talking about going on different avenues for your show, mm-hmm. Baron, you're sitting there, and you've had a little bit more experience than Joey has. Some this point, is though. my application. I would like to come on and be on his show with him. Wow. He's heard Dan talk on his show about how he and his wife, they put their kids through school, okay, and uh, living in a townhome, they did it as economically as possible, Right. but Joey don't know about me. So you want your story told. And he graduated with my son. I did, yeah. And I paid cash for him, and I've never been married, and I didn't get a dime of child support. So if you would like to hear about an adventure, we could go on it. Well, okay. okay. I still got your number, Mary. I love your show. I love your show. I'm still getting ready for tonight because i got to do something important tomorrow. Baron, I love to listen to you. Give Jack Hamble a hug for me when you see him. I would will do please? that, Marianne. Absolutely. Please, and give him an extra one because I really want him to come back. Oh, yeah, I think he I like Dave. I like Dave Mallory. Don't think I don't, but... And I believe me, when I call in on your show, it might be after one of your mother's phone calls. <laughs> and I hope, I, yeah, I love you, Joey. Please, y'all go have a good time. And Joey, I'm sorry I didn't speak to you on Greg's show. It's all right. It's all right. Yeah, but I love you. Love you too, Marianne. Thank you. You're one of my. You're one of my heroes. You always will be. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Bye. Well, look at this. All the calls. This doesn't happen often. Well, Joey. I mean, you're like catnip to callers, Baron. (laughs) (laughs) Who am I tantalizing with this call? This is Fred. It's the Joey Clark Show featuring the grandmother. Yes, yes, yes. I got something to say about the prostitution. (laughs) Go ahead. I used to deliver pizzas, and I was over there on Callaway Street one day trying to figure out where my next place was to go. And this uh, apparent female stuck her head in my Volvo and said, hey, do you want to have some fun? And I looked at her, at her and her bolt-ons were apparently rusted off because they were like on either side of her overalls, you know. And uh, she didn't, she did not brush either of her teeth. Fred, Fred, hold on. Can I ask you a question? It's six fifty four p.m. How long have you been in the emergency drawer, and how deep into it are oh, you? No, 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 no. no I stayed, I've been staying away from it so that I can remember something. Damn it! <laughs> Wait. So when you said she stuck her head in your Volvo, you actually meant your car. Yes, yes. Okay. My, my white Volvo V60. Oh, never mind. Sorry about that. Yeah, never mind. No, I was, I was confused quite, quite. for a second. But anyway, I, I got sla- she slapped me, man, because I looked at her and I said, what, you got a hula hoop or a unicycle or something over there? <laughs> <laughs> she reached in my car and slapped me. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I, 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 I wore that with pride, though, because, dude, she was ugly. <laughs> you got slapped by an ugly lady of the night? Yeah, ain't that something? That's, I don't know if anybody that's quite an accomplishment. Talk. That's quite an accomplishment. I, I'm not sure anybody else could do that. Really? Put that on your gravestone, sir. <laughs> I got bitch slapped by a street walking <laughs> cheetah. Yeah, a street walking cheetah. Okay, well, uh, it really is good to have you on the show, Baron. I, I, it is a, it is catnip. Oh, Fred. Oh. 
You don't live far. Okay. We'll have to get in that emergency door one day soon. Groovy. All right, buddy. All right, brother. See you. <laughs> Listen to all this love. I feel so warm and fuzzy. Joey, I, let me tell you. You know, I'm on the radio 15 hours a week. Yes. And I rarely hear from random people. Like, I hear from a lot of the same people. Sure. You know, this, I mean, you get a group of people that, that contact you frequently. I'm sure you do. Yeah, yeah. Uh, talk about the Marianne said. calls a lot. Yeah. Right. But, but, I mean, even just by text, Facebook, whatever. Right. When I go on the Joey Clark Radio Hour, I hear from a whole different group of people that don't contact me, that may or may not listen in the mornings. I don't know. Right. Uh, they, don't work, they don't listen to mid-morning Grand Mufti. At least they don't comment on it. But between 6 and 7... They can't get enough Joey Clark Radio Hour. And when I come on, I hear from a whole different group of people. Heard you on the radio tonight. Good and I just think, I'm on the radio 15 hours a week. You know? I appreciate it. <laughs> Could you... Uh, but I'm telling you, you've got a massive audience, Joey. Oh, my. A massive audience. Well, a very I, big audience. Oh, wow. The rumor is your audience is huge. Well, that, those, that's a little... That's a much. That's a bit much. It's a very big audience. That's a bit much, sir. That's the rumor. That's what the lady says. No, you have a very big audience. It's called lowering expectations. Oh, Joey, Joey's audience is okay. Yeah, it's average. I have an average very audience. Very average audience. Yeah, an average audience. <laughs> Let's go back to the phones. <laughs> News talk, you're on there. Who's this? Good evening, Mr. Clark. How are you doing this oh, evening? Oh, hello. Mr. Emmy. Oh, Mr. What Amy. have we done to deserve such? Hey, you show up at this hour. Of course I got to call in. And I tell you, that's the longest I've ever been on hold. And I was actually pleased on it. I'll pay the cell bill this time. Oh, oh Mr. Amy. Mr. Amy, for those that don't know, is one of the has, has fast become one of the finest callers in Montgomery Talk Radio. Uh, you are too kind. You're too kind. Silky it's all, voice, it's all because of... It's all because of you, sir. Let me tell you, Mr. Amy, if um, <clears throat> you could step in and do a radio show with your vast knowledge mm -hmm. and your golden voice, you yeah. could step in and do a radio show. Uh, I tell you what, I could. I definitely think I could aspire to be your sidekick, because I know I can laugh right along with you. And one thing <laughs> I'd never do is I'd never talk over you. I'd never interrupt you on, uh, on one of your uh, sales pitches for your clients or for your customers and that. <laughs> but that's a, that's a separate issue. I mean, I, I don't want to bring out that. Uh, what, what was the moniker you gave me? Chief Critic? Is, is that the one? <laughs> yeah, that was that was the chief. You are the chief critic, but that's okay. Now, somebody has to be. Like the news talk ombudsman or something like that. Yeah. 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 We got to bring him in as an ombudsman. Yeah. And he can come in, like he'll monitor from the other room, from the Jayquarium, and he can walk in and grab a microphone when he hears something that needs to be addressed. Well, that I bring the air horn in, too. Aww. <laughs> And one thing I'd just like to suggest to you there, Mr. Clark, yes. uh, and again, it's just a suggestion for you. You are definitely a trained professional. Uh, is I think you ought to change that uh, wall of shame. And that young man you got sitting with you, he ought to be in your Hall of Fame. Ooh. You know, I've been considering it. It's not going to happen tonight. No, 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 no. But uh, that is actually a fantastic... I was waiting for somebody to nominate him, actually. I've never been nominated for the Hall of Fame. So are you officially oh. nominating him? Absolutely. We're going to need a second. We're going to need a second. Yeah, but I don't think you need to bring that paddle out. Let, let's not, you know, smack. No, that was for Southern it. Wood in particular. Yeah, that, that, well, that was a little bit over the top. But, you know, to each his own. <laughs> well, anyways, gentlemen, thank you very much for taking my call. Mr. Coleman, it was a great show today. Hey, uh, Miami, uh, Mr. Amy is a great caller day yes, in, day out. And I uh, appreciate you listening. You got it. Gentlemen, you have a great night. Likewise. You too. Well, and with that, we have to end the show.